Feeling the love tonight. Love it. Um, am I on? Can you hear me all right? Great. Well, um, it's Remembrance Sunday coming up in just a few weeks' time, and it got me thinking about the generation that lived through the Second World War. So they might be parents, grandparents, or great-grandparents of you guys in the room. And something that they would talk about is having a, a wartime mentality. They, there was a way of doing life, a way of seeing the world, which reflected sort of the intense period uh, of their lives. And so they were frugal and simple, simple uh, simply because they couldn't uh, buy the stuff that they necessarily wanted. They were prayerful because they were facing huge challenges. They were very sacrificial. They were willing to pay the price for seeing victory come. And in the same way, uh, if you're a Christian in the room, we are meant to live with a certain mindset, a certain way of viewing our lives. You can call it a wartime mentality if you want. You see, when uh, we said yes to following Jesus, he decided in his wisdom not to just sort of zap us and send us uh, straight into heaven, but he decided to leave us here on earth. And he gave us the great commandment and the great commission, which is to love God, love one another, and love the world by telling them about Jesus. And that's the mission, that's the cause, that's the thing that drives our lives, that's our purpose, that's the lens that we need to view all ordinary lives through. As Rich said, when Pip uh, and I planted this church, we moved actually 16 years ago and very much we didn't know anyone in Leeds. We were new to the city. We'd come here to start a church. And so the way that we viewed every bit of our life was with this mentality, this wartime mindset, this idea that we are here to forward the purpose of Jesus in the earth. And I just want to ask you, if you're a Christian in the room, how are you doing with that? Like, how are you doing? Like, when you think about living for Jesus on top of all the other stuff that you do, whether you're studying or working, uh, all the stuff going on in your family, with your friends, the pressure you feel to prioritise certain things, I just wonder how you're doing with having this mindset that you are on mission. One of the reasons that we are spending time, well, the whole of this term, looking at the genius of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, 10 and 11, is because that bit of the Bible addresses disciples that are sent on mission. And so we've got so much to learn because I know for many of us, it's tough. If you're a Christian in the room, it's tough to live on the front foot of mission, letting it affect everything that you do. Am I sort of speaking your language? Everyone's looking at me blankly. But yeah, you feel uh, there's a toughness, isn't there, about living for Jesus? Thanks, Rich. And so... This verse that we're going to look at, we've got one verse to look at tonight, is Jesus speaking to his disciples, trying to encourage them, because he knows that mission is hard. And you find it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And Jesus says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Let me just read that again. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Should we just pray as we look at God's word together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have an encouragement to us tonight. 
Lord, I pray uh, for anyone that's really tired in the room, that you just give them focus and energy just to lean into what you're wanting to say. And for the rest of us, God, we're here because we want to be together and meet with you. And so by your spirit, would you come and meet with us, come and speak to us in your name. Amen. Well, if you're a Christian in the room, I wonder if you can remember the first time you told someone about your faith. Um, perhaps um, you grew up in a Christian family or perhaps you came to know Jesus later in life. I remember when you risked something telling someone that you're a Christian. For me, uh, I don't come from a Christian family, so at the age of 14, I sort of gave my life to Jesus and I can remember telling my dad and my dad looked fairly worried and then he took me for the first and only time in my life, he took me for a walk. And during the walk, he basically said, you know, are you one of these crazy born-again Christians? And I had no real idea of how to answer that. And perhaps I am one of those. But um, for me, it was a huge risk trying to just put it out there, put my faith out there. I also, it made me think of probably the scariest time that I've shared my faith. I don't know if you can think about when you risked everything to tell someone you're a Christian. But for me, it was at university. So I'd spent my first year not really living for Jesus. Uh, God wonderfully transformed my life for my second year. In my third year, I organised with the Christian Union, the CU, I organised a bit of a mission to sort of tell uh, the campus about Jesus. And it was a small campus, only four or 5,000 people uh, everyone sort of knew each other and so I can remember walking into the SU bar packed with people it was about eight o'clock so people had just sort of started drinking and I can remember standing on a stool and I was actually just about to introduce a visiting speaker but I had to get everyone to be quiet and then I had to tell everyone who I was and what I stood for and what was about to happen and it just felt so vulnerable, so uh, I just felt I was risking everything uh, of my reputation in that moment. Listen, if you are on mission, you will face many moments like that where you're scared, where there is fear, where there are anxieties. And also, if you're on mission, you will face many moments when you're asking a wisdom type question. When you're asking, should I say something at this point or should I say nothing? Should I use this opportunity or should I back off? And if you've ever felt these things where you're in very good company, as this is where we find the disciples, Jesus has just sent them out and they're like, what on earth are we meant to do? And Jesus uses four pictures, four animals that actually have quite an important background in the Bible to show us how we're to handle particularly rejection in mission. And so we're going to look at the weakness of sheep, we're going to look at the ferocity of wolves, the wisdom of snakes and the innocence of doves. I bet that's not what you're expecting tonight, but that's what we are doing. So number one, the weakness of sheep and the ferocity of wolves. I think it's absolutely fascinating that Jesus uses this um, metaphor to describe mission. He could have picked any animal groups. So he could have said, we, uh, we're like eagles among field mice. So he could have put it like that, that our job as Christians is just to pick people off. 
Or he could have said that it's about lions amongst antelopes. You know, we are the hunters, they are the prey, and we're just going for them. But no, he says, Christians, you're sheep among wolves, you're the prey. And sheep, well, sheep, they're pretty defenceless and fairly stupid animals. Whereas wolves, like a pack of wolves, a pack of wolves can take on most animals. And by comparing mission to sheep among wolves, Jesus is saying to be a witness for him means to be vulnerable, means to risk persecution. The word witness in the Greek uh, is the word martyr, a martyr who is someone who gives up everything, who surrenders their lives, who lives with this mission mindset in order to be public about their faith. Firstly, I just want you to notice that there is a huge contrast um, going on here. In Matthew 10, what we've looked at these last few weeks, you'll know that Jesus sends out the disciples with great heavenly power. I mean, they are just overloaded with heavenly power because they are sent to heal the sick, to set people free, to announce Jesus' victory and his coming kingdom. Incredible heavenly power, but zero earthly power. So they are are not to take money, they are not to take extra clothing, they're not going to know where they're going to stay. It's a very vulnerable scenario. And so they have this life-giving message which people are free to take or leave. They're not to force people to accept this message, rather Christianity spreads through faith, not force. So given they've got this amazing authority... I think it's incredible, incredible that mission advances through weak disciples who have a simple message. And personally, I just find that so helpful because that's what it feels like when I'm on mission. I don't know if it feels like it to you, but I feel weak when I'm sharing about Jesus. I want my words to be special and razzmatazz and have a power to them. And it just sort of comes out. And it just feels so weak and it feels so average. Does it feel like that to you? Like you want it to have like this punch. You know there's dynamite in there. But when I do it, it just, it just comes out. And so it's so helpful to know that that's normal. That that sense of heavenly power, earthly power, we're here as we give our message of hope. And we expect for the heavenly power to come. Vulnerability and power go together. Secondly, by saying to his disciples and to us being on mission is like being a sheep. Jesus is saying you must follow in my footsteps. Jesus was the lamb that was torn apart by the wolves of his day. You know, Jesus, he could have called on a legion of angel armies. But instead, he expresses his authority through weakness and through suffering. So when we think of sharing Jesus at university or at school or at work or with neighbours or with family, you know, when your words sound foolish and unimpressive, lacking impact, Jesus says to us, we are like sheep among wolves. Sheep are weak defenseless. It will feel difficult and exposed. And listen, it's not because everyone out there is a wolf and there are wolves out there. He's not saying everyone is a wolf. Rather, he's trying to say something about which our posture should be 
as we go on mission, what our expectations should be, our willingness to depend on God's power, our willingness to go in weakness. And remember, uh, we are very fortunate in this country that the wolves that we are sent into are not as vicious as in other countries where you just speaking up for your faith may risk imprisonment and torture and maybe even death. Remember, we can't force people. Earthly power is low. But I want you to be encouraged tonight that we're sheep among wolves. We're sent out on purpose in vulnerability because it's in that posture God's power can really flow. Now, I find that so helpful. So this pattern, great power in weakness. Um, The question I ask then is how can we be sure God will come through? Like if we're being asked to be this vulnerable, if we're being asked to be weak, then can we truly trust God will show up? Well, again, Jesus wasn't just a lamb among wolves, but the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, describes in wonderful language a fight that goes on between Jesus and the devil who's described as a dragon. And so if you thought sheep had no chance amongst wolves, then what hope does a lamb have against a dragon? You see, Revelation tells us the dragon wages war against the lamb and against us, his people. What hope do we have if our saviour is a lamb? Well, we have every hope because Revelation 12 tells us that the lamb who was slain defeats the dragon. He triumphs with the sword that comes out of his mouth, which is the word of Christ. And so of his people sent into the world by the lamb, what about them? Well, Revelation 12 verse 11, I've got the verse on the screen, says they triumphed over him, they triumphed over the dragon, over the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And that gives me, gives me great confidence in the authority in which I'm being sent. I'm being sent by a victorious yet slain lamb. The lamb is slain. There's the weakness. There's the vulnerability. But there's power because in doing so, he brings great victory. We are sent in that authority and power. But again, how does that actually help us? How does it help us knowing we're sheep among wolves? Well, Jesus doesn't leave it there. He gives another couple of animals for us. Secondly, he gives us the wisdom of snakes or serpents. This is the only place in the whole of the Bible where a snake or a serpent serpent is spoken um, of positively. Some of you that know your Bibles know that um, uh, the devil is described as the serpent in Genesis 3 and in Revelation 12. The serpent being held up as a a good example for the Christian is is a really unusual thing, so we should pay attention. Snakes... Well, I guess they're subtle, they're crafty, they're wise, they're shrewd and persuasive. That's the image that's presented of them. And certainly in the Garden of Eden, that's uh, what the serpent excelled at. Snakes are able to make astute judgments. They're able to evaluate circumstances and behave in a fitting manner. And I, I guess what Jesus is trying to say to us using this picture language is if you're a sheep among wolves... Uh, you're also meant to think, you're meant to be wise, you're meant to be shrewd, you're meant to be a snake without the cunning and the evil. And so here's where I think it gets very practical for us as sheep among wolves, for us to be wise, to be shrewd. 
So let me give you a couple of thoughts. As we share Jesus, as you share Jesus with friends and family, be prudent, be sensible. For me, um, when I became a Christian, I heard stories of God healing people. And so I immediately started to talk to my family about it. And to be honest with you, it was just too much too soon. I didn't know enough about it and they definitely didn't know enough about it. And I think it just put them off totally. And I lacked prudence. I lacked just a sensible view of witnessing. Don't be naive, I think it means. Be shrewd. Don't be naive. For uh, a few years back, we used to do quite a bit of outreach in some of the nightclubs in town with club angels and uh, sometimes I'd speak to young students who would spend time with fairly drunk young men and ask them whether they wanted prayer or whether they wanted looking after and were somewhat surprised when they said yes let's spend some time together and I guess what I was hoping for them to understand is don't be naive if you're a young lady going and speaking to a drunken young man He'll say yes to anything, probably, at that point. So don't be naive. Don't be inflammatory. What that means is we're not to pick fights unnecessarily. There's a horrible church in the US called Westboro Church. It's an American church known for its use of inflammatory hate speech. Some of you might have seen that on the internet. That's what comes to mind when I think of what we're not meant to be. We're to avoid unnecessary conflicts and attacks. You know, some people want to fight, not a debate. And I guess as Christians, who we are in these conflicts is more important than what you have to say. So you need real wisdom to understand when you're talking to someone how much they want to engage in the debate and how much they just want to fight. And if they just want to fight, it's about who we are in that moment. And having a sense of appropriateness. Um, I had a friend who when he sensed the Holy Spirit, he used to shake quite a lot because he felt the power of God. And he was very much in control of that. But sometimes when he would share to people uh, about Jesus, he would sort of let the shaking take over. And for me, in sort of my feedback to him was, look, you're in control of this. You know, when you're in the church, if you're with people who understand what's going on, you can shake as much as you want. But when you're witnessing someone, it just puts them off. They think you're mad. So why do it? So I think there's, you know, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying quench the Holy Spirit, but I'm saying have a sense of appropriateness. And I guess all of that could be summarised in don't be stupid, don't be an idiot. You know, when you go out and talk to people about Jesus, don't be an idiot. So on mission, sheep among wolves. So we survive by being as wise as snakes. And lastly, Jesus asks us to be as innocent as doves. Now, doves are simple, pure creatures who cause no trouble. Innocent literally means unmixed. So it means to be different from the world, to be holy. The Apostle Paul borrows the words of Jesus just to add to what I'm saying here and, and says, I want to see you experts in good and not even beginners in evil. Paul was really aware, the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, he was aware that we would have a tendency to be sort of a little bit intrigued by things that are evil, to end up obsessing over it, getting involved in it. And Paul offers this far safer and effective solution that stands against us wanting to be really relevant and really in our culture by saying, 
In Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Doves think about what is good and pure and lovely and we must make truth rather than error the focus of our studies and the delight of our hearts. One guy puts it like this, we are to be godly but not gullible, snake smart but not snake sneaky. For our character commends Christ, our godliness proclaims the gospel. And I just want to ask you gently, how are you doing with this? How are you doing with this? Do you behave in such a way that draws attention away from Jesus onto yourself? I want to ask you, is there anything in your life that compromises your witness? And yeah, I can answer that for you. Of course there is. Of course there is. There's loads of stuff in your life that compromises what you stand for. The issue is whether you're repentant, you're willing to change, you're open to challenge, you're accountable, you're encouraging people to speak into your life. So just, you know, particularly this age group in the room, I just want to ask you, you have massive challenges, culturally speaking, to stand up for what's right in terms of the drinking culture that you're in, the culture to do with dating and relationships, uh, the boundaries that you have within those relationships, how you handle money, things that you say, things that you look at on your screens, uh, your integrity at university or in the workplace. You know, if you're a Christian in the room, we are held to a higher standard. And I... I just put it to you, will people see or want to know Christ if our lives are saying he is not enough? Like will people want to know Jesus if the way that we act, the way we're giving ourselves to stuff is basically saying that's where I find true satisfaction. Jesus isn't that person. What does that do to our witness? You know, I just want to ask you, how are you doing with this stuff? And again, it's not about perfection. It's about your heart of repentance. It's your willingness to be challenged. It's your willingness to pursue purity. The dove is also associated with the Holy Spirit and is known for being wise. The Spirit gives us wisdom when we need it most. So a dove is not just about being set apart and holy, but Jesus is calling us again like the serpent to be wise. Mark 13 verse 11 tells us whenever you're arrested or brought to trial do not worry beforehand about what to say just say whatever is given you at that time for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit I doubt many of you will will be arrested and brought to trial for your faith but the point is the Holy Spirit wants to give us wisdom when we do not know what to say you see mission is full of dilemmas when to remain silent or start speaking what to actually say But at the same time, wisdom demands we do something. You know, I'd hate for you to leave this evening thinking, oh yeah, I need to be really wise in my mission. And it causes you not to do anything because you're so scared of getting it wrong or making a mistake or speaking when you should be silent. You know, I want you to approach this with the idea of I'm I'm all in and I will back off when I need to be. I think generally our mindset is we back off and we'll just do it when we feel like we've got enough courage to do it. And so please don't hear me say we should always, I prefer you all to be on the front foot and to make mistakes as you go. 
but we need to pray for wisdom. You know, in speaking to many of you, I know for, 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 for some of you in the room, when you think about your family or your friends, um, perhaps it's quite a tight group of people um, and you love spending time with them, you love them dearly and you've tried to share your faith but what you've got back is like a bit of a wall of resistance or a wall of just people not being interested. And you need wisdom right now as to know what to do. Like if that is your friendship or family group and everyone is close to the gospel, what should you do? You know, I was chatting to someone about that this week and we both agreed the worst thing to do is to do nothing. So you either need to go back to your friends and family and just make clear, hey, can I just, can you just give me a couple of minutes? Can I just be clear with what I believe and what I think the choice you face in life really is your most important choice in life can I just tell you about Jesus what he's done for you and whether or not you want to accept it or not some of you need to go back I find that so provoking when I think of my family just to be really clear but some of you need to go forward some of you need to keep loving your friends but to find new friends and to be on the front foot of welcoming new people into your friendship circles and serving them loving them remember we go vulnerably but as we go vulnerably great power comes so the spirit of wisdom says things like this and I've got this on the slide but it asks questions about the mission you should be asking can I explain the good news if someone actually tells you you know or asks you can you tell me what you believe can you actually tell them like can you do it in 30 seconds rather than like half an hour with a PowerPoint and you know they've left three minutes in. You know, can you do it? Can you explain the good news? Can you share your story succinctly? You know if someone says what's happened to you or what is it in your life that's different? Can you, can you just share it in a way that is open, vulnerable, real but not too long? What part of the gospel do our friends most need to hear you know as you pray for your friends you know we've spoken about this before but you know for many of us it's because we love our friends that we want to give them what has changed our lives and it's sometimes worth thinking about what is it particularly about the good news that this person needs to hear what story from the life of Jesus is most relevant to their life you know most people will listen to a story rather than you just proclaiming truth to them. And what needs can I meet to give authenticity to my message? And am I on the front foot? Am I prepared, prayerful and ready? Do I have that wartime mindset? So listen guys, I think for many of you, if you feel stuck in your mission, you're to pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Again, Jesus is our example as a dove. Think of Jesus encountering the wolves. Sometimes he avoided controversy and other times he stirred it up. Sometimes he avoided capture and then he submitted to it when the time was right. When he was on trial he was silent but when he spoke he had unanswerable wisdom. And remember his total lack of self-justification but his accusers ended up self-condemned. Remember how he died. The wisdom of God right there. To the very end, he was as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. And it's really fascinating that because he did not avoid suffering. 
he was still torn apart by the wolves. So this wisdom is not a way of avoiding suffering. And that is just such a different mindset to most of us have. Most of us are like, oh, I feel God saying me not to do that because I could lose these friends and that could be a bit vulnerable. That's why the wisdom of God is needed. Sometimes we want the path of least resistance. We want God to lead us into health and wealth. But I hope you see from the life of Jesus that is not guaranteed. So how do you handle rejection? Jesus gives you four animals. He says, have the weakness of sheep amongst the ferocity of wolves. Have the wisdom of snakes and the innocence of doves. Do you want to stand with me? So we're going to continue our worship and I just want to encourage you to wholeheartedly give your worship to Jesus. You know, we spoke about him being the great example. He was the lamb who died amongst the wolves. He was the dove who had great wisdom. And I want to call you to worship him. And as we do that, we're expecting his presence amongst us, his spirit of wisdom and revelation. So, Heavenly Father, do you want you just close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, we give you this time. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the way that you encourage us. Lord, I pray that you've brought people here tonight specifically to reveal Jesus to them. I pray tonight that men and women in the room would know you revealing yourself to them and bringing encouragement and love and wisdom and power and real empathy to our weakness and vulnerability. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.